Are you ready for the end of the world? This is Your Community Spirits, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up! And be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Your Community Spirit on Your Community Radio. This is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we are live, local, and we don't get in your face too much, but we get in your ear hole. Yes. <laughs> Bringing so. you all the community news and happenings for the week. Sorry. So what do we have on the agenda besides talking about fracking this and fracking that? <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of fracking news coming up, but first we've got some special guests here in the studio. I'm not special. Oh, yeah. Well, you're special, too. We're all special in our own way. Uh, you're here every week, though. So oh, okay. We get to hear some new perspectives Slightly this week. special. And I believe we've got you ready to be heard. Uh, we, could you introduce yourselves? I'm Diana Barley-Sessman. I'm the director of the Carbondale Public Library. Woohoo. I'm Yolanda Simon. I'm retired dean of students at Carbondale Middle School, Carbondale District 95. What do you do in your spare time now? You're retired. Now you have a lot of... That's a lot to do. I volunteer for CASA, and I mentor some children, and I work uh, with I Can Read. All right. Would you look? Okay. It's like, um, I got to go to the I Can Read dinner mm-hmm. last week. That was good, and I hope some money was raised so that kids get some stuff. There was, and there's still lots of time to still contribute if you pledge but did not give we will gladly accept your donations yeah, and the kids would like it even better absolutely right? <laughs> so absolutely yeah i've always been such a big fan of reading you know i i'm an avid reader so i'm glad to hear about that program <laughs> so what are you here today to talk about today we're here to tell you about um an event on saturday at the carbondale public library it's community cinema which is done in partnership with wsiu and uh, the film is at 2.30, and the important part is that not only do you get to see a film, but you also have to get to process that information with a discussion, a community discussion. So it's 3D film. Um, yeah, in a sense. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. We're here on the radio, so you know you have to explain yeah. people what film is. So. Yeah. <laughs> And then the interactive discussion, it makes it 3D. That's in true. My mind, it, yeah. it does. It, it adds, it certainly adds some dimension to it, although we're not going to make you wear funny glasses. Oh, so. darn. <laughs> um, but the film is, uh, called Evolution of a Criminal, and it is about a young Ooh. man who went to prison as a teenager. And that'd be really tough. Uh, it certainly would. Um, and he served for a few years and, and in prison, and he, um, came out and he went through a process of restorative justice where he went approached his victims and asked for their forgiveness and Whoa. listened to their stories of how I he traumatized them. Yeah, exactly. And I haven't done anything really bad, but right. I don't just talk like, to my victims. Yeah, be apologizing for, you know, t- <laughs> accidentally eating someone's air. sandwich or <laughs> <Just> something. Like, <laughs> but um our uh, Yolanda is on our panel and we also have some other excellent panelists. Um Najar uh, is a art professor at SIU and um, he's going to talk about uh, his own experience because he also made a similar mistake as a teenager and also did some time in prison and came out and his is a success story as well. And There are a lot of factors that lead up to um, uh, 
person making a mistake like that, and we'll be discussing some of those, what some of those factors are, but also what does it take to be successful when you do come out of prison, because there are a lot of odds against you, 90 to, let's see, 90 to 95, or even maybe 97% of people who go to prison do actually come out of prison, so um, they have a very hard time getting a job, sometimes they're completely disenfranchised in terms of being able to vote, um, and there are some factors that make it easier for them to succeed. So, and Yolanda's on our panel as well. One of the one of the things one of the concerns for me is that Darius is the young man in the film is an African American man, and being a retired educator, we've seen Darius was was wasn't unusual in that he was extremely bright. Uh, he had a family that was poor. So in that culture of poverty, um, he felt that he needed to help. Um, one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons I think it is so important uh, for children to learn to um, love education is because it's a way out. Mm-hmm. However, in our public school system, many times without sensitivity training, uh, as young men, young black men grow up between third grade and fourth grade, things change. Mm-hmm. And by the time they get to middle school, they change greatly. And teachers... They're not reading enough. They're watching too much TV, or many times, yeah, Or many <laughs> times they may be reading, but they're reading in the hiding. One of the things, one of the things that the two guys that... Um, that are with Darius say he was real smart. Mm-hmm. He was part of student council. He was all these things, but there's that but, and you can fill that right. in. And that was part of the problem. But if you have that, if you have a Darius in your classroom and you have four kids doing something and then there's Darius, who do you pick out? Mm-hmm. And then if Darius ends up going to the office, he is more likely to be in school suspension or out of school suspension, it is longer, he will have missed more, and you just have that that uh, cycle going again and again and again. Part of it is people who are bright and um, read a lot get bored with normal things, and it's like trying to be engaged, and um, they look to, I don't know, the cool kids mm-hmm. because... They're bored. Yeah. I mean, it's part of it. And the the cool kids are never bored because they're doing nothing. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> they're, they're and they're satisfied with nothing. But then sometimes the cool kids, uh, the cool kids who may not be as smart as the Darius's, as, as in the film, um, those cool kids have so much influence. Mm-hmm. And I think many times teachers don't have uh, the street sense to know what to do with my Darius. Darius is the scariest student ever that you have in your classroom <laughs> because he's smart and he does, and he's armed with street sense. Uh-huh. So I'm cool enough to hang with the cool kids, but I don't want to be too cool because then I'm not as cool as, as I want to look to the cool kids. And so what do I do? It's like being between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. And I think many times when we have, we go to college, we're not taught exactly what I must do with my Darius's in my classroom. Yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I like this because it sounds like a very personal story. You know, it's a personal story that addresses this issue because 
People often wonder, what can we do to, uh, you know, what can we do to reduce crime? What can we do to help people who have been in jail and are coming back out? To, and it's, it's, it seems like an abstract concept to people who haven't experienced it, but they can watch this movie and have a discussion and learn about the realities of it. And the culture of poverty. I think one of the things that happens is Darius and his friends actually get away with robbing a bank. And he takes it home. If your child brought that much money home, what would you do? And I have no money. My bills aren't paid. My house is in foreclosure. What do you do? So there are a number of, there are a number of things on the table. It isn't just that he robbed the bank. It's his whole family and his whole community that's involved in this. Yeah, there are millions of, of working poor families, and yeah. his parents between them were working at least three jobs. Absolutely. And he saw them struggle and struggle, and that was, in his teenage mind, which is your teenage brain is not fully myelinated, <laughs> you're not making decisions in the same <laughs> way adult would, he thought he was helping. Well, I mean, that doesn't mean adults. Right, that doesn't mean adults <laughs> yeah, don't make those same errors. It's just like yeah. looking for the easy out. Yeah. And the easy out usually leads to prison. Well, and <laughs> what, uh, what I appreciate about this film, um, and about the stories that we'll be telling afterwards is that, um, Darius is guilty of a violent crime. And it is... So it was like a, a story of spiraling downward. Well, I like it because it's easier for us to, um, to, understand people's situation when they make um, not choices to engage in nonviolent crime. For example, there are a lot of people who are in prison because of drug use, and I personally don't think that's the right system for them to be in. Um, and it's easier for me to understand that, whereas it's maybe a little harder to extend our compassion to, to people who did something that did actually traumatize people. So I like that this story uh, asks us to expand our compassion to that level. And we get to hear him interview those people that were harmed. I mean, he didn't kill anybody, but he happened to get down on the floor. That's a that's a big emotional thing. Mm-hmm. And he has to go back to those people. And if you put yourself in that position, how would you respond? What would you do? And that's the process of him doing that is restorative justice, and that's exactly. actually being used as a disciplinary model. Uh, it sounds like you were using that intuitively all along when you were um, in uh, in charge of that school um, at, at the junior high, and uh, now it's policy in District 95 to use uh, restorative justice for discipline, and it's far more effective than suspension, uh, which does uh, show evidence of of just pushing uh, kids further down the wrong path. Well, I hope they, I hope part of the discussion will be people who do nonviolent crimes like white collar crimes where you steal a bunch of money, but that to me is more violent than to steal from one person. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. and that they go and meet all the people they stole the money from. I mean, that would be. Right. They may just have as to meet a lot of white. people. <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah. So. That'd be some road trip. Yeah. yeah. That restorative so, justice angle is great though because I, I like the fact that that's being discussed because people often, you know, when a crime like that happens, they just want to punish the person or throw them away, but they're still a human being. Yes. And it shows the, their human story, and it also shows that they can go and engage in this act of restoration and meet the people who are traumatized and seek forgiveness. Well, I mean, prison is supposed to do that, but instead it seems to educate people to come out and do more crimes. Right, yeah. yeah. So. Well, that's why it's good to have a system that instead of just causing people more suffering, more crimes, you can actually try to restore justice. All right. 
So when is this again? It's Saturday at 2.30 p.m. at the Carbondale Public Library, and the title of the film is Evolution of a Criminal. Nice. Thank you for bringing that here. Thank and you. Thank you for being on the air. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Like, Enjoy this. Now we have to go back to fracking. <laughs> Just yeah, like Stop fracking. <laughs> Just like All right. <clears throat> okay. I just lost it. Here we go. Oh, you lost it. So yeah, <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> we Whenever lost we fracking. talk about fracking, I lo- lose it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming in. Lawsuit filed against Illinois Department of Natural Resources. Wait a second. Aren't these like the good guys? <laughs> well, They're the Department of Natural Resources. They like. They saw, nice things. They saw very natural, right? They should be protecting natural resources. <laughs> Several Southern Illinois citizens and safe Southern Illinoisans against fracturing our environment have filed a complaint against the Illinois Department of Natural Resources. That's the IDNR. Nine violations in total show that rulemaking procedures were not followed as required under Illinois law. Plaintiffs are requesting an injunction be granted against the recently passed Hydraulic Fracturing Regulatory Act rules. Complaints include the fact that IDNR's first notice did not include, did not consider scientific studies when creating rules for high volume, high horizontal hydraulic fracturing. Can I just not say the long name? No wonder we say fracking. Yeah, you can call it fracking. (laughs) High volume horizontal hydraulic fracturing, otherwise known as fracking. Yeah. This violates one of the central purposes of rulemaking, allowing the public an opportunity to address specific information a public agency relies upon. Quote, those opposed to fracking in Illinois have pushed the importance of scientific studies related to fracturing since the beginning, said Natalie M. Lijek, one of the attorneys representing the plaintiffs. Pretty interesting. Yeah. No, I I don't know how they can even pretend to create rules for fracking without considering the science. You know, it's what? like <laughs> it's, it's like let's create rules for I don't know building like a high speed train and let's not consider gravity. <laughs> you know? like, like whoops, <laughs> sorry about that. It's just like, um, yeah. Also at issue is that the IDNR violated Illinois administrative procedures by not having agency representatives available to answer questions at public hearings. Some citizens were denied admittance and some were not allowed to speak. Quote, we showed up for the Chicago hearing, but myself and a group of people were turned away, said plaintiff Nathan Zuba. We were not allowed to be part of the process. So, not, not fully including people in the process, having short m- notice for the meetings, not considering the science. Sounds like kind of a botched deal. Well, I mean, this is just sounds like standard process. <laughs> so they didn't follow just standard process. They tried to push it through yeah. quickly. Which is very interesting. Then they delayed it really long. Yeah. After, after the election. Mm-hmm. So that, um, I don't know why. So it wouldn't distract politicians? <laughs> yeah. So you wouldn't know what the politicians thought when you voted. It's <laughs> just like. It's top secret. Um. Just like the rules. They did not submit a required report to the Illinois General Assembly by an established date. Yeah. So it's just basic. Just basic rulemaking process. Yeah. Like if I were trying to, you know, fill out some sort of con, some sort of contract and I didn't take all the steps that I had to take, I would get in trouble for it. You know, I would have to do it all over or, you know, do a new agreement. So that's just what they're asking to do with this lawsuit. And what? So- all right. Let's go worldwide now. So that's local. Yeah. 
What do you need to know about the U.S.-China Climate Pact, otherwise known as the War on Coal? <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, well, it's been a busy few months for international movement on climate. They, we had the big September climate march in meetings at the United Nations. Uh, the European Union announced they're going to cut greenhouse gas emissions. President Obama and uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping topped it all out by announcing a new cl- joint climate commitment late on Tuesday. Quote, as the world's largest economies and, uh, and admitters of greenhouse gas, we have a responsibility to lead the world on climate change, President Obama said in a joint press conference with President Xi in Beijing. So wait, what's the deal? <laughs> yeah, the deal is that they've actually they've agreed to cut carbon pollution by 26 to 28 percent below the 2005 levels by the year 2025. That's doubling the previous commitment and building on Obama's previous pledge. Quote, this is an ambitious goal, but it is an achievable goal, Obama said. Now, on the Chinese side, it's even more ambitious and more groundbreaking. For the first time, China said it would see its emissions peak by 2030 and increase its use of clean energy around 20% of its national total energy production by 2030 as well. Yeah. China and the U.S. are the two biggest greenhouse gas emitters, accounting for roughly 40% of the world's total emissions. So, yeah, we are full of... <laughs> full of hot air. It's <laughs> just like, no, full we're of full something. of, yeah, smelly... <laughs> smelly <so>. gases. <laughs> so each percentage point they reduce, or at least slow their emissions, will have an outside impact and move the world closer to limiting the global warming below the 2 degrees Celsius, 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit threshold scientists and policies have set as a safe limit. Yeah. So okay, how, cool. So how are they going to do it? Yeah. Well, they're going to, they're proposing a teamwork approach that mixes clean energy advancements, phasing out harmful hydrofluorocarbons. <laughs> I don't say there's the, you know, the silver bullet. It's a silver buckshot. Yeah, silver buckshot. <laughs> a little of everything. Yeah. It's also investing in low carbon cities and carbon capture and storage and green trade. Now, about that 2% Celsius thing, does this agreement get us there? Well, sorry to ruin the good vibes here, but not even close. Some analyses indicate China's emissions would have to peak by 2025 for the world to have a chance at meeting the 2 degrees Celsius limit. And the U.S. announcement is less ambitious than the plan the European Union agreed to last month of slashing carbon emissions 40% below 1990 levels by 2030. Well, wasn't 1990 levels the first, like, that was like the first carbon world conference? Yeah, it was around then, yeah. I forget the exact year. So to really avoid the worst effects of climate change, from one runaway sea level rise to increasing heat waves and ocean acidification, not only will emissions need to be cut, but lots of fossil fuels will have to stay in the ground, at least unburned. The concept, oh, that's a good point, because, you know, they say the carbon sequestration, where they burn it and then put it back in the ground. <laughs> it's like, at least unburned. Yeah. <laughs> um, the concept of a carbon budget isn't a new one, but at last year's International Climate Talks in Warsaw, negotiators ignored the budget drawn up by the international, the intergovernmental panel on climate change, so something's going to have to give. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember exactly what I said when I first heard this news. It's like I'm both excited and discouraged by the fact that this is probably the best deal we're going to get out of these governments for quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's exciting because they are 
they're saying, you know, we commit to reducing our fossil fuels X amount by YD, you know. But it's a war on carbon. It's a war, it's on, a carbon. war on coal. What are you doing? Ah. So, you know, it's exciting that they're actually saying they're going to do it, but it's not particularly binding, and it's even if they do meet this goal, it's not quite enough Quit to Quit puncturing my balloon. <laughs> I want to be full of helium and happy for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, we can bask in the glow for a few minutes that, that the U.S. and China actually officially have committed to reducing their fossil fuel use. I do have happy news. Yes. Your risk of getting hit by lightning has increased. Oh, my. <laughs> Just like... Your odds of getting struck by lightning just increase. We already know that climate change is bringing more hurricanes, floods, droughts, typhoons, heat waves, and extreme rainfall, and just general extreme weather. Now comes the hair-raising news. We'll get more lightning, too. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so isn't it awesome that people study this stuff? Yeah. And then we get to read about it. Yeah, we just get to sit back and relax and talk about it. They have to spend hours researching. Yeah, so um, it's coming out in the journal Science, a study about the climate lightning connection. So the researchers use data from federal government agencies to establish a connection between warming temperatures, more energetic storms, and increased lightning strikes and combine the findings with 11 climate models. And then... Not so shocking or hair raising results. The scientists found lightning strikes would increase by about 12% for every one Celsius of warming submitting in resulting in about 50% more strikes by 2100. Wow. We're trying to kill ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you know, the more we pollute, we are really actively trying to kill ourselves. (laughs) We just got off that extra, (laughs) the extra lightning is well aimed. (laughs) Just (laughs) take out. A few of us. <laughs> yeah. So, man, the takeaway message. 2100 will feature three lightning bolts for every two today unless humanity gets its act together and stops burning fossil fuels. Yeah, that's, that seems like a lot to me. I mean, it's not just one or two extra lightning bolts, you know. It's like two, you know, three instead of two. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Yep. So, getting off of fossil fuels... How about bicycles? Yeah, you can hop on your bike. Bikes created 65, six, excuse me, 655,000 jobs in Wait, Europe. Wait, how many? 655,000 jobs in Europe created bicycle. by bicycles. <laughs> that is the power of the bicycle. Is that more, that's like more jobs than cars have created recently. Yeah, well like this is figures from Europe, uh, Europe creation of bicycles, there's uh, that's way more than Europe's 615,000 jobs in mining and quarrying, or 350,000 jobs in the entire steel sector. That's not bad for a hippie hobby, right? <laughs> so, according to the study about this, which pulled together these numbers, commissioned by the European Cyclists Federation, this already staggering figure could reach a million jobs by 2020. It's bigger potential for growth in the automotive industry. So, surprisingly, the lion's share of jobs in the new freewheeling economy are in bicycle tourism. That includes the accommodation and restaurants and includes, you know, the bicycles themselves and the paths. So that's pretty amazing. Imagine if we did that in southern Illinois, like turn southern Illinois into a haven for cyclists. Yeah, but how many doctors and car auto repair people will lose their jobs? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the doctors and car people lose their jobs because everyone's so healthy and they're cycling. (laughs) But at least it's a transition to a cleaner job. 
All right. Today is November. Yes. <laughs> it's remember, like, remember. Today is World Diabetes Day and Operating Room Nurse Day. Mm-hmm. Saturday is Clean Your Refrigerator and America's Recycles Day. Don't recycle <laughs> the stuff to sit yeah. in your refrigerator. Yeah. Well, maybe into compost. Maybe the compost, yeah. Um, so. Saturday is also National Philanthropy Day. Yeah, so remember to donate to your favorite nonprofits. Hey, we're a radio station. We're a nonprofit. We are. What a coincidence. So, <laughs> so Sunday is Button Day and Have a Party with Your Bear Day. Not entirely sure what that one's all about. Monday is Homemade Bread Day. Take a hike day and world peace day. So maybe bake a f- bread with somebody to create peace and then take a hike. Yeah. No, don't tell them to take a hike. <laughs> take a hike together. To tell them to go in peace. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> On a hike. <laughs> Tuesday is a cult day. Very hidden day. Wednesday is have a bad day day. I think for most people Wednesday is. It's that's what they call hump day where, yeah. you know, everything goes downhill from there. Yeah, you're in the middle of the week, you know, it's you're stuck in your work week. Thursday is absurdity day. Some of us celebrate absurdity day. Come on, no day. it's not. It's beautiful day. Well, it's a beautiful absurdities. I'm sure there's some movies. Tell us what movies are the beautiful absurdity movies. Oh, and the Great American Smokeout is the third Thursday in November. If you haven't quit smoking yet and you'd like to, next Thursday is the time to start. This month is Native American History Month, and if you do a search, there is a lot of stuff that's happening for Native American History Month. So, yeah. Um, one of the things, Native Plants and Beekeeping event is scheduled for um, next Tuesday. Yeah. That event is in um, Lawson Hall. Yeah, room two twenty one. All right. It's at 5 p.m. on Tuesday, and uh, they're actually going to have someone from the from Sense, the Student Environmental Group, is going to be on here on WDBX later today to talk about that. I believe at noon. Man, we do everything here. Yeah, it's, it's like, a happening place at WDBX. Carbondale Community Farmers Market Saturdays nine till noon. They switched over to their winter hours. So oh it's yeah, nine so till noon. Nine till noon now. And they're inside, so they're in their winter location. Thank goodness. Still the same place, Carbondale Community High School, but now they're inside instead of being in the parking lot. Yeah. So the Carbondale Community Farmers Market, nine till noon inside the Carbondale Community High School. Yes. I'm trying to say community as much as possible. Community. <laughs> so Labyrinth Peace Garden Restoration Group is coming up on Saturday at 1.30 p.m. at Guyos Interfaith Center. They just put up that beautiful dome up there by the labyrinth and you can go to the meeting and find out what else is coming up. In case you missed our great interview at the beginning of the show, Evolution of a Criminal, film showing and discussion, Saturday, November 15th, at 2.30 at the Carbondale Public Library. In this gripping blend of a documentary, true crime, and personal essay, a filmmaker confronts his past, dissecting the circumstances that led him to commit a bank robbery as a young man, and a his journey of reflection and forgiveness. There will be a discussion afterwards and a 3D film, because, you know, including a discussion. So. Yeah, if you include the panelists, it's 3D. <laughs> so, yeah, we also have coming up, you mentioned Native American Heritage Month. If they want the full info on that, they can go to inclusiveexcellence.siu.edu. 
Also coming up is Carbondale and Thanksgiving. That's coming up on Tuesday at 7 p.m. at Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship, 105 North Parish Lane. That's where they get together people from the Interfaith Council, people of all faiths and beliefs. Each person gives a few minutes of presentation on what they're thankful for, how their tradition uh, supports thankfulness and thanksgiving. It's pretty interesting how much different religions are alike. Yeah. I mean, people really try to emphasize the differences, but they're very similar. (laughs) And because, I mean, they're mostly based on the same principles of caring. Yeah, caring. Caring for your neighbors, caring for others, and giving thanks at this time of year. So, Tuesday at 8 p.m., Transpoetic Playground at the Guy House Interface Center. After a long traveling adventure, Transpoetic has found a new home. Transpoetic will be meeting at the Guy House on the first and third Tuesdays for the rest of the year. So, show up upstairs, 8 o'clock. Yes. And, and it usually goes kind of late, doesn't it? Yeah, it usually goes 8 o'clock until people are done with their poetry. So it could go for hours. But you could leave whenever you're ready to leave. But it's a really good time. Also coming up, Veg Thanks Living. It's not Thanksgiving this year. Oh, We're I missed that. I would, have said, I would have said Thanksgiving. but Yeah. Well, they're calling it Thanks Living this year to celebrate all the living things they're thankful for. And you can bring yourself, your friends, and some vegan food to share. It's a... Vegetarian potluck, uh, vegan potluck. So if you have no time to cook, you can bring something like fruit or just you. Everybody's welcome. You should always bring you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you don't bring yourself, I'm not quite sure how you're attending the event, but <laughs> there you have it. And mark your calendar for next Friday, movie and pizza night at the Gaia House Interface Center. We'll probably talk about it more next Friday, but... Yeah, and there's still time between now and Tuesday to help pick out the movie. Oh, well, that's a good reason to get on the Facebook and... Or email director at ourguyhouse.org to pick out the movie. So Yes. <laughs> Maybe you should show that movie that they have at the library again. Yeah, that would be a good one for those who missed it. Yeah, so. But people get to vote. So it's been another exciting. Yes, definitely exciting. <laughs> we had special guests. It yeah, made we it had more guests. Exciting. That's always nice. <laughs> and especially when the interview goes good, because we're not usually very good at talking to other people. Yeah. But it was also informative, too. We will see you again on the radio next week and every week from 10 to 1030. This has been Your Community Spirit. We are online at yourcommunityspirit.org. Please email us, info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and we will talk about what you emailed. Yes. (laughs) We will get to it, and we will see you here next week on the radio. In the meantime, enjoy the sunshine, because it's a little bit chilly out there, but that sun may help you survive.